Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Monday Night Tiger Cast. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, as you can see, the uh, the panel is shortened substantially. We're a few men down tonight. So CB's got a cricket gig on. Tiggs is recovering from concussion. McGrock had a earache, and I think uh, EJ's uh, stuck up with his boss somewhere in a motel, uh, trying to schmooze him for a pay rise or something. I think he was doing, but that's all right. The lads have got to do what they've got to do. Uh, welcome, Connor. And Min, hope you're both doing well. But uh, as everyone can see, we do have a, a very special guest with us tonight. Uh, played a total of 262 games for 170 goals, and 169 of those were with the Tigers. For the number 17, Paul Broderick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. And now, uh, before we start, a special shout out to Nick for organising this. Much appreciated, mate. Thank you for your your work in connecting uh, Paul to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, Min, I haven't got any background noise here. I guess it's my headset that's awfully loud, potentially. That or my kids crying, one of the two. Anyway, that's <laughs> uh, all good. Um, thanks for your time tonight, Paul. You were recruited from Fitzroy in the, the country zone. Uh, for those of us who aren't kind of aware or familiar with how the country zones worked back then, how did that all kind of take place in terms of getting recruited to, a, to an AFL side? Um, so I'm originally from Camperdown down in the Western District, so uh, on your way to Warrnambool, I suppose, uh, not far from Colac, and Camperdown, Terang and Warrnambool um, back in the times were used to be Fitzroy's regional-based area that they could tap into possible uh, young people coming through football pathways. And, um, yeah, back then um, I was lucky enough that David Parkin and uh, who was senior coach at Fitzroy at the time and uh, Arthur Wilson, who was the footy manager, I think, uh, recruiter, a few hats he wore, um, was um, looking out and decided to come down and have a chat with me and the family and, and said we'd like to possibly get you down to Fitzroy. Um, so I was uh, 17 at the time, um, finishing year 12, and... Uh, you know, signed up with them, but basically stayed in Camperdown for that 12-month period just to finish off Year 12. And um, I think I went down and played maybe one or two reserve games, maybe just as a bit of a feeler. And then the following year, uh, went down to Melbourne, which was, a um, you know, for a country lad, that was a, a big change. And yeah, um, it out with a couple, a family who supported uh, Fitzroy, but, um, and lived with them in East Doncaster for probably two or three years initially just to get familiar with Melbourne and, and just how to get around. And, um, you know, and then I was every weekend commuting back to Camperdown pretty much um, wow. just to catch up with family. And my girlfriend, Charlene, was down there at the time. And uh, so, and it took me a little while probably to acclimatise to Melbourne. And then slowly, bit by bit, I started to probably stay in Melbourne on weekends at times. And Charlene would come down and, um, you know, we sort of slowly acclimatised to the Melbourne lifestyle. So... Gee, it's a, it's a lot of hard work, isn't it? It's a lot of sacrifices, I suppose, you have to make early days as well, especially with the schooling as well. Was that tricky to juggle the schooling component as well? Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, my, my aspirations was to hopefully get an opportunity to play VFL back then, and um, lucky enough, Victoria were keen. So that was sort of, I didn't have that worry about that side of it for 12 months and was able to focus on year 12, but I still got distracted. My footy was... Uh, the main thing I was trying to work at, even locally, trying to play senior footy down at camp and out at the time. And um, I probably could have put a little bit more time into my education space. Uh, and uh, But at the end of the day, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get down to Melbourne then and sort of uh, I came back from a, a camp um, from a junior uh, under-17 sort of model and um, 
the boys there, some were from Melbourne and some were regionally based, but um, and some were in the state lads. But I just realised then the level of their fitness and um, their maturity of their bodies and other things just were a little bit above where I was probably at at the time. And um, I came home and basically within three days I was gone to Melbourne. So mum and dad, that was a big um, thing to try and cope with at the time. Um, and my, my um, girlfriend, Charlene, you know, just suddenly... I've come back and then in three days I've packed up and gone to Melbourne. But I just realised that was it was time to go. It was time to make that shift and get out yeah. amongst the you know the next level of training and the support staff around and just trying to then you know give myself an opportunity to keep developing. And what was it like walking into Fitzroy as an eighteen year old? Do you remember much about your first day at the club? Because it was Parkin that was coach at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, I was like you know Parko was uh, coaching that first year I was down there and. Um, you know, there was some people like uh, Leon Harris, who was a Mortlake lad. He was originally up my Western District way. There was Matty Rendell. You had Paul Ruse and Gary Pert and um, Richard Osborne, who probably Ruse and Purdy was becoming that sort of next tier superstar status um, in the AFL competition. And, uh, you know, we had John Blakey, who's now um, up in, was it Sydney Swans as an assistant coach to John Longmire, and now he's back in um, at North Melbourne, I think, Blake's at the moment. So... We had a lot of uh, yeah good players coming through the Fitzroy uh, group, um, but uh, yeah, and then um, decided then a few years later to head over to the the Tigers. And so you made your debut for Fitzroy round twelve against Essendon, finished with eleven disposals and one goal. Do you have any special memories from your first game? How were the nerves? Uh, nerves were like any debut, I suppose. You 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 got that mixture of emotions where you you. You're really scared, but you're also um, excited, you know, about the first time you're able to put the gear on and get out of, amongst a, a crowd out at Waverley, it was. And uh, I remember it was a shocking day. It was uh, wet as anything out there. And I reckon I kicked the goal off the ground from the goal square, so socket it through. And then I remember I got dropped the next week. So that was my um, first introduction <laughs> to uh, VFL footy. So it was exciting, but also then a realisation that, Still had a little bit further to keep developing. Before Gee, it's I... stiff, isn't it, to get dropped the next <laughs> week after that? Gosh. Yeah, I think we got pumped that day. So, <laughs> uh, You mentioned a few of the players you played alongside at Fitzroy, but after spending six years there, who were some of the best players that you played with while being there? Oh, I think Rusey was, you know, one of the pinnacle players. Um, Alistair Lynch was uh, coming through at that point in time, and then Lynchy moved to Brisbane um you know at the end of 93 and and was really uh probably their pinnacle a player up there with the brisbane and, and trying to promote footy as a brand in queensland um gary pert was an amazing player Purdy, for those who remember him played a hell of a lot of full back but he was a fierce competitor i reckon in, in today's footy Purdy could have been an on ball ruck, a big ball in the middle um and he had qualities that i reckon um at times we didn't see see because he was stuck in the back half i reckon he was really creative and influential um player and a really good leader amongst the group um and then you had richard osborne uh really talented footballer and played as a sort of a smallish forward i suppose like he was six foot um but played tall and could play small but quite amazing and he was a full forward when you had others like lockett and that who were good sized blokes at six foot three yeah. four and you know, really strong men. So Aussie was an incredible player as well. So Now, you mentioned 1993. There's a little bit to unpack with this movie because reading it today kind of blew my mind how this all came together. But you were traded to the Tigers in one of 
what still seems to be the most extraordinary moves uh, that the club's ever done, trading out Jeff Holger, full forward and captain at the time, uh, for yourself, Michael Gale and Matthew Dundas. How did it all come about? Um, was this something a long time in the making? Like, there must have been some trigger points along the way, I suppose, to get three people on board to complete that kind of transaction. Yeah, well, Richmond, I buried for Richmond as a young bloke and they'd, they'd always sort of been around the edges. They were a bit, they couldn't recruit me from Fitzroy Zone because you weren't allowed to tap into players from other clubs, uh, recruitment areas, but they'd sort of kept an interest in me and, and just reached out every now and then to touch base. And um, lo and behold, around 90, end of 92, they were starting to get a bit more serious about it and interested in whether I might be willing to come across to the Tigers. Uh, the the swap was meant to be me for Lambie. So it was meant to be a straight swap for Craig Lambert. Um, and Hoggy was going to go for Butch Ga Michael Gale and um, Matty Dundas. And then sort of with my understanding of it, roughly an hour to go, um, Lambie said, no, nah, I'm not, I don't want to move. Uh, I don't want to go into the, I don't want to go to Fitzroy. Uh, um, I'd rather go in, I think, at that time to the draft, maybe possibly process and take his um, luck that way. But he he was adamant not to wanting to go to Richmond. And I think the powers to be at Richmond met with the Fitzroy crew and through some persuasive discussions, um, I was thrown in as another addition to that sort of hoggy uh, transfer across to um, Fitzroy. So it ended up me, Michael Gale and Matty Dundas for Hoggy as a three-way swap So uh, for one bloke. So pretty incredible now you think about it back, back now. Really, Richmond, lucky. Fitzroy could have called my bluff. I, if they had said, sorry, we don't, I'm not going to trade you, I would have had to stay because yeah. I was still in contract, I think, or I, I, I couldn't really find another way to go elsewhere. It was only through this process that would have allowed me to move. So, um, yeah. But it ended up, it went through, um, and, uh, yeah, the rest is history. So, Like, trying to comprehend a deal like that happening today the only place i can fathom that happening is on a video game where you can just rig the deal to suit whatever you want to do <laughs> it's uh it's amazing that it got through but when do you remember the moment when you officially got told that yep it's all done over the line you got there yeah i think it was maybe a 12 o'clock deadline that it had to be in or a two i can't remember exactly the timeline but like the the trade deals today i suppose there was a cutoff period and it came through, you know, not long after that, that the Richmond crew advised that, yeah, you were, you're now a Tiger um, and the deal had been done. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was an unusual time, I suppose, because it was, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Um, and then yeah. it, suddenly it did. And then the reality hit that I was going to be moving to another club in the near future. And then with that move, how long from when you found out that, yes, it's all been approved to your first day at the club? Is it a week? Is it oh, a couple of weeks? Jeez, I can't remember, Chris, exactly. I think it happened fairly quickly because I think it was during um, the off period of uh, one season to the next. So I think it literally within a week or two, potentially I was down at Tigerland um, okay. doing the first pre-season training from memory. But it might have been a fraction more gap in there. I can't really yeah. remember now. So. And, and is it different walking into a new club as a player with almost 100 games under your belt compared to your first time in as an 18-year-old at Fitzroy? Yeah, it, look, it was still nerve-wracking. I was lucky probably that Butch was there, Mick and uh, Matty Dundas, who I'd played you know, a few years with together as a group. So that, that eased that introduction i actually used to work with chris nash at amp society and i was Fitzroy nation okay. to richmond so i got to 
sort of meet Naish early days and build a bit of a connection with him, um, which made, again, a bit easier for me coming into a new environment. Um, look, I was very lucky. The Tigers also, at that period of time, had some imports from South Australia. So uh, Jamie Tate come over, uh, Matty Rogers had come into the club as a, as a younger um, recruit to the... Uh, Greg Deere had come over from Hawthorne. Uh, I think Mark Neal had come in from Geelong, potentially... Um, and then you had younger guys coming in with, you know, as Cambo and NIDA and um, uh, you had a uh, Maddie Stewie Maxfield Tice was, um, you know, so there was a Chris Bond was there established sort of making his his name as a in the club and uh, you had Scotty Turners and those guys. So it was it was a really the probably biggest thing that hit me was they were young we were young as a group and probably me I reckon Deary and Neildy were the only three blokes married. So it was um, a very yeah. single-based single, single based, um, boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, some guys were just single environments. Yeah. So that that was a bit different because Fitzroy was very much um, – a lot of the guys were married or had partners for a period of time. So it, it probably took a little bit of time socially to get to sort of find where you sat in that. Um, but the guys are very welcoming and, uh, you know, like any club environment, once you get in there, it, uh, you make connections with different blokes straight away. So, And what about John Norther? He was the coach at the time. How did he compare to, I suppose, someone like David Parkin as your first coach? Um, yeah, so Swooper, um, Parko was uh, very much uh, hard on your sleeve. Um, a very passionate man, um, quite a good tactician, uh, really got, I thought, a fair amount out of his playing group and, and um, the boys played for um, Paco. Uh, then, yeah, John was very similar, I think, in the sense that um, we we felt really connected as a group and I thought John moulded that. Um, and John was very good at getting, trying to get the maximum he could out of all the, the playing group, whether you were your, your top pick player or you're right through to your sort of 35th, 36th, 40 player. He would... Blokes would come in and play their role, and um, you know they were able to play a really good brand of football. And I think we were able to get some good years there in the nineties, ninety five, and uh, you know ninety ninety four. We started to build a bit, and and just because it was quite a unique group, bringing in probably guys who were already established there, Benny, Gale, and Cambo, and the rest, and Nida, and then suddenly this new group come in and. We were able to create something of a connection with each other that was pretty strong at the time. Um, I think 95 then we, we made the, the prelim and got done by the Catters um, out at uh, Waverley. But I don't know, that's the closest I've felt to maybe what a premiership could feel like. Um, there was just something about the group that I think that year we'd won games that probably people thought we weren't, we got up on the last five minutes yeah. of games and come from behind. And there was just something in us that I don't think we're the most talented group, but we certainly um, there was something there that that allowed us to win games that possibly others wouldn't wouldn't have got over the line. So, um, but we never know then because then we finished up. John moved on at the end of end of that year, and then um, you know we we probably didn't get the chance to sort of see exactly how far we could go as a group. Sort of did that did that move from John did that really rattled the playing group? Given that you just kind of said what you were building on, did that really sort of throw a cat amongst the pigeons for the following year? I think so. I think because, you know, suddenly with a new coach, like I've had seven coaches over 14 years at the AFL level. Um, so it's every two years, basically, a new coach comes in. Any player, it doesn't matter whether you're established or not, 
it you got to you got to resell yourself. You've got to refine where you fit in that environment. Um, does your style of footy uh, uh, complement what this new coach is wanting to the playing group to uh, operate at? Because each coach has their own style and strategy about how they're going to, they want the playing group to function. And so I think it just creates disjointedness and it's hard to, mm. um, you can sort of see why with, with Dimmer now, you know, 10 years in the role, you know, that the group, you know, started to build and, and you could see why maybe that, that settled environment um, finally showed through with the Tigers, you know, winning those three over the four-year period. So I think that it's no coincidence that there was a secure, stable environment um, at the top and, and that right through Benny yeah. and Benny, Benny and the rest of the team that played the role. But um, I think that's important that it filters through and everyone's um, singing from the same hymn, I suppose. Everyone's working towards that that one goal and um, happy to be in each other's environments. So, 100%. Yeah, it plays a huge part in yeah being a successful side, no doubt. The 94 season, you had a cracking season personally. I think you were top five in the AFL for disposals, but then as a club, we missed out on the eight by 6% to Collingwood. How much did that burn? And was that used? Was that a big motivational factor for the 95 season, given how, how well we played that year? I think so. I, you know, I think any disappointment like that, we are so close. And as a group, I think, as I said, we were building as a group. So we we had unfinished business in a lot of ways. And, and each, it, it meant another preseason was ticked into our playing group. So those younger guys who come into the club, the more established guys, it was another four or five month period over preseason that we collectively were motivated to keep pushing ourselves to to go that next level as if we could as a group. And um, I think that creates then also pressure on positions. So players are, are wanting to be the best they can. That means that there's no guarantee you're going to keep your role. So you've got to keep pushing yourself to maintain that spot. And it just, I think we just rose as a group to another, you know, another level again and, and collectively everyone um, chipped into that sort of mentality, I suppose. So it yeah. was, we were easily self-motivated at that time and the group were keen and hungry to have a taste of the next stage, the finals. The uh, the other big news for you in 94 was your selection for the Victorian State squad. And I reckon they made a blunder not getting you in the final team there. But what was it like receiving that kind of news? And was there any sort of training sessions with the entire squad or any kind of interaction? Because it's like you read the list of players and it's unbelievable the, the talent of players that's in there. So uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was a great experience. I was very fortunate to be in that sort of squad, I suppose. Um, you know, there was some amazing players playing throughout the the Vic team. Diesel Williams, who I, you know, was one of the blokes I used to battle against when I was first coming into the comp. And Diesel was an amazing player. Uh, you know, um, Ruzi and those sort of guys who were well-established top-end footballers and, you know, Plugger and the rest. So there was some, so there was some fair cattle getting around. Um, and... Uh, yeah, Diesel had just come back from an injury, I think, and maybe played a week before or whatever, and they rushed him into the state squad to get him, if he was fit, to play. Um, and so that probably tipped me out, I reckon, that Diesel suddenly come into the mix. That was no good for me. Uh, and, and and rightly so. I mean, he's dominated interstate footy and, and he's a quality player. So, um, But it was a great experience to be around them. Um, yeah. Just to go over to Adelaide, I think we played, it was, uh, against uh, South Australia over at over there and um yeah it was a, it was like a great... three point it was only a three point loss or something it was a, a tight game i think yeah i can't 
I think I think we yeah I can't remember I think we did get up did we or was it we lost did we the, uh, I'm not sure I think it was somewhere between three or five points I can't remember which way it went but yeah you uh, might be right one for the ages lost. yeah so no it was great experience I think Curly Austin was the coach I think um, at the time so Rod Austin um, and uh, yeah so no it was a great experience. And then the, the 95 season that we touched on earlier, we finished up third on the ladder. You played a huge part in, in, you know, getting us there. What was the team morale like knowing that we'd secured third on the ladder after finishing ninth the previous year and for a lot of you entering your first finals campaign? Yeah, I think excitement um, unknown because you you suddenly, you know, finals footy, we, we wouldn't have known how we were going to cope with that environment because it was new to all of us, really. Uh, Deary was probably the main one who'd had that premiership experience coming from Hawthorne. Um, and I think uh, the rest of us probably had no little or no experience of playing finals footy. Um, I can't remember if Mick Gale might have played one series in 86 with Fitzroy, maybe, because they made the finals then. But uh, So we're pretty raw in that area. So an unknown of whether we would cope in that bigger stage in the environment. Um, and uh, I think we we lost our first final that year, I think, from memory, um, to North Melbourne. And yeah. uh, then we, lucky enough, we got to play Essendon in that game when NIDA kept us in the first half with three goals, I reckon it was, um, and dominated and kept us kept us in touching point at half time. And then I think we got a bit of momentum in the third quarter and Daff and a few others got on the end of a few and Nashi and we started to get the ball rolling and... Uh, we overran them in the end. And Scotty Turner from memory cleaned up a couple. I think it was Gary O'Donnell and uh, another bloke from memory. So uh, he did. I had his name written down here. Actually, not, not only did he clean a couple up, but he was thrown forward and kicked two goals. He did. So Scotty had a really influential game, you know, over the day. And unusual, yeah, took the risk of throwing forward because he probably hadn't played much in the forward half over recent years. It was mainly in that backline area. And yeah, he, you know, so. He, he was obviously suited to finals footy, Scotty, because it didn't overawe him or anything, and he took on the new role and, and yeah, had a major impact in us getting over the line. And then what was it like sort of after that, knowing that you'd got your first finals win under your belt, um, did it just give you so much more of a boost moving yeah, forward? I think that game, we were done. So I think that was our uh, grand final in some ways because – we come from behind. I think we overran the Bombers and I think we put so much into it that it took a fair bit out of us as a playing right, group. Okay. And come Geelong, Geelong had always worried us. Um, they, they seemed to match up pretty well against us as a group and had given us some hidings over the journey. So um, I think that bigger ground at Waverley probably didn't help us. Um, and then, yeah, we uh, they smashed us from memory out there at Waverley and... Um, yeah, we just couldn't go with them. That's interesting here because, like, often you hear fans will talk about, "Oh, that was a team's grand final." That's interesting to hear that it, it is something that does eventuate from time to time. If you've had to exert so much energy to get to a certain point, that you just got nothing left. I think so, and I think we—that's what I was not sure of whether we, if Swoop had been there in '96, you know, could we? Because we had a taste of it, we'd, we'd won one. Um, we then experienced a prelim, which was another step up again. And probably people talk about the prelims as probably some of the premium games you get to play yeah. um, outside yeah. of the granny. So I just I just wish we had had a chance to see were we was it a fluke what we did or was there something in this group that could have we could have got back into that top 
four five echelon and potentially had another crack at some teams that maybe we could have been fairly competitive against and from the experiences learned how to maybe not tire come that prelim final stage and be and that might be a combination of fitness preparation and the rest of us managing our list and, and everything else that comes with it um or were we we're going to be spent again because we we didn't yeah. have enough talent there to keep that building stage going but i think there was something there we just unfortunately i think we missed out 96 from memory um yeah i think we finished ninth again yeah that dreaded, so. uh, that dreaded curse yes that that geelong game as, as bad as it was i do remember being there and the supporters that were there uh as much as you might not have felt it were all like extremely grateful for the effort everyone put in and all i remember we were down getting smashed but everyone was just singing the theme song um, I thought it was such a good moment just to acknowledge how well the playing group had done to get to that point. So it was yeah. Uh, yeah, an interesting atmosphere. It was. I mean, the Tiger faithful are very loyal. They're very, um, you know, as long as you're having a crack for the gang, they they don't mind. It's when they can sense that maybe we're not going that that hard as we could or, or as focused as we should be, then um, sometimes the Tigers can get a little bit upset with us out there. But but that day, yes. I mean, from the spin-off of the semi against Essendon, and then I think the, the supporters were riding that momentum too, you know. They were really yeah. excited about making the prelim. And I think, yeah, they, they certainly weren't disappointed with us, but they were, you know, we were disappointed that we couldn't quite get to the next step. But I think everyone was appreciative of the year as a whole. 100%. Definitely. Uh, and then 1996, from a personal level, was a, a ripper for you, winning the Jack Dyer medal, best and fairest. What was it like for you to win that kind of award, um, you know, in the prime of your career? Uh, yeah, amazing. Like, I, you know, as I said, I barracked for Richmond as a, as a young bloke. Um, Morris Rioli was my sort of idol that I looked up to. As a, he was the key sentiment for the Tigers back in the 80s and late 70s. And um, I was lucky enough to get number 17 which obviously jack dyer wore as well and um you know that doesn't come lightly the club bestow that um so i was very appreciative of the connection um and just from a personal point of view yeah that year just it all come together and um it's sort of been building as you're growing and developing each year as a player i suppose you, you, you're getting stronger in certain areas of your game and um yeah 96 that come through and um they felt that you know, I might have been the best one that year as of the playing group, but um, I think Richo might have come second that year, maybe, or um, he was certainly up there, I think. So, uh, but and he was obviously a superstar coming through the ranks, Richo, amazing talent and uh, amazing athleticism. He's probably one of the first I'd saw at that ability to, you know, I think unique that one year he played on a wing for a period of time and uh mm. you know we saw him as a key forward and that mobile scenario forward role but another bloke who could probably you know can dominate games and break it open with um his amazing ability and athleticism um and creativity he's quite a creative player richo so um and uh you know wore his heart in his sleeve as we know and loved um and uh uh you know and it was i think when the tigers won their first Premiership and Richo was on the sideline, uh, emotional with the whole situation. I think that typified him. He loves a club, and uh, yeah, definitely, you know, he was he, he enjoyed the moment like like everyone else did, and the Tiger faithful as well. So it was nice. Yeah, you, you had pretty elite skills, but did you have a copper spray from Richo for missing a target? Uh, I think he it just it encouraged me. I think um, to maybe. <laughs> uh, 
uh, be a little bit more accurate next time as I push <laughs> forward. So uh, very good. Uh, now the chief Brendan Gale, he's done a power of work for for this club, but there's a bit of footage out there that I saw that involved the two of you that. Well, we need to ask a question about it. was round three, 1998 versus Hawthorne. The third quarter, we're down by 30-odd points. Brendan Gale's got a set shot on about 30 to 40 metres out, 45-degree angle, and he's gone down with an enormous cramp, and he quickly rushed the ball to you to take the set shot, which you uh, calmly slotted. And we ended up winning that game. Um, and I think it was well noted that Brendan Gale played the rest of that game out as if he was unimpeded. Was that a strategic play to get you the ball to kind of ensure the ball went through the big sticks? Uh, no, I don't. I think um, I think they're being generous that I was a better kick than Benny. But uh, no, I think, I don't know, at the time, I think he legitimately was uh, cramping. But um, as we know, cramps can subside. So, uh, and I can't remember if it was on, was on the, you know, suited a left footer coming in for that side of the it ground. Did, yeah. So it probably was a little bit uh, creative of Benny to um, try and see <laughs> if we could sneak an opportunity there and lucky enough it went through. And it worked. We came back and got the win, so that's all that matters. Exactly. Uh, now, 2001 was to be your last year. You uh, retired into the finals campaign. When, in your mind, did retirement become a, a possibility for you? Um. I think the end of the the 2000, I think, because I'd, I'd hurt myself at the end of 19, I think it was, and broke my ankle uh, up in Sydney. And I think that next year I came back and, and had to, you know, work extremely hard to get back ready to go. But it sort of, there was starting to be new blood starting to come, you know, younger groups coming in again and, um, and talented boys that were starting to... Um, you know, more athletic and they were getting faster and bigger and uh you know it it probably was just an indication that it's it's the game could be starting to get out of my reach if because i was never uh, big on leg speed it was um so i just felt that year too i played a bit of a, more of a role where i came off the interchange and started to um sort of be uh an impact type player i suppose where you might come on for your your particular time period and then hopefully have an impact to give someone else a breather and then come back recharge and come out and do that again and i think that helped me probably get an extra year out of my body um but i think i knew 201 that was it the start of the year i think i just wanted to enjoy the year as a whole and try and um yeah. just enjoy training you know not that sometimes you get flogged so you, you don't enjoy all aspects of it but i, I just wanted to probably enjoy each moment as much as I possibly could, the interstate trips, the the wins, the losses, the, you know, and just, you know, because it was, I wanted to try and go out if I could on my terms as well. So I didn't, and I think it was the right time. I think you, I possibly could have tried another year, but I, I'm not sure I would have got much out of that and the club may not have. It mightn't have worked for both of us. Um, and, yeah, I think the timing was right. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you still have plenty of tricks in the bag. Round four, 2001 versus Collingwood. Uh, we started the quarter with a 30-point lead, and with seven minutes to go, the Pies have brought it back to one point. And uh, then you kind of took over the next two minutes of the game and um, and got it back on, on our terms. Do you remember that game? Yes, I do. So I think I kicked the last two, I think, from memory. You nearly got yeah. tackled in the goal square from Clement or someone like that. Um, yeah, you did. Rory Hilton gave you a little chip kick over the top that yeah. you ran onto. And then um, I think Benny Gale actually had a shot that fell short and you roved the pack and snapped the goal. So you still had it in, yeah? 
<laughs> no, I was very lucky. That one was on the right foot too, I think, which is unusual was, to yeah. go through. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and typical Benny, he's just playing it to drop it short for me to allow me a chance to have a little crumb. So, <laughs> no, it was not. It was just one. Well, I suppose a nice moment, but um, that popped up that year. Um, but uh, and yeah, it was nice just to still have a chance to play a role, I suppose, and be part of the group. And I mean, part of the group you were, we finished fourth in 2001. So like you talk about going out on good terms, you, you couldn't have kind of asked for much more in, in that sense. Um, so it would have been what the second finals appearance, did it feel any different to the 95 one? I'm guessing it did being a whole new, you know, a lot of people you're playing with this time around. Yeah, it did. I mean, we were certainly, I felt more ready for another finals campaign. There was a number of the boys who had tasted the first one in 95, um, you know, that were now senior, well-established players. Um, so I think that nervous side of it was less for the second time at it. Um, and, you know, we were lucky enough to make the prelim again, um, up in finished up in Queensland against Brisbane, who obviously became one of the dominant teams for the next three to four years themselves. So yeah. Yeah. I think we'd reached again our ballpark um, for that year uh, because I think that side we played, I don't, you know, obviously they went on one, but they won the next couple of years. So I think it was going to take a hell of a effort by us to get over them up there in their home turf. Um, yeah. And I think we held, we were hanging in there, I reckon, until halfway through the second quarter. And then I reckon their midfield got going and just in a 10-minute burst opened it up a little bit. Um, or it could have been the third quarter that happened maybe. Um, and then we just couldn't bridge the gap and they just got a bit further and further ahead of us. So... That was um, a sad time to finish up, but also I was lucky because Alistair Lynch was a good friend of ours through the Fitzroy connection, and Lynchy was suspended that game um, and was sitting in the grandstand, so he was hoping they were going to win because he would have played the next week in the grand final. Um, oh, okay. And so he was sad too that I was finishing up, but also excited that he was going to get a crack at the big one the next week. So um, it was mixed mixed feelings, I suppose, that one, but lucky enough to have Charlene and the family up there and got carried off by Dutchie and a few of the other boys, uh, Cambo, I think, from memory. Um, Ezra, one of the Ezra Poyaz, I think. So uh, that was nice. And, um, yeah, again, I felt we'd, we'd achieved a lot that year as a group. Um, yeah, so it was nice. Was it nice to knock off the Blues the week prior? It was. It was very nice. A bit like the Bombers, I think. When, you know, a couple of times there, we've knocked off the traditional top four Melbourne-based clubs, but yeah. then, um, us, sort of Essendon, Carlton and Collingwood. So um, I think the only better would have been a Collingwood knocking them off in that capacity. Um, but definitely the Blues, yeah, it was nice to get get them um, the week before and then give us a crack at Brisbane. So. And then, so once you finished up footy, what did you do with yourself? What was your life after football? Um, when and had a year off and then went and played out at East Burwood in the Eastern competition. Uh, so I played under Doug Barwick, who was ex-Fitzroy in Collingwood, and Dougie had coached East Burwood for a couple of years and uh, reached out and said, look, would you like to come out and play a bit of Eastern Standard footy? Divi one back then it would have been, or Premier now it's called. Um, and that was a good standard footy. Um, Adam Slater was out there, who was an ex-Richmond um uh, junior coming through the under-19s and Slate's played a few senior games as well. So uh, there was Adam White, who was an ex-Carlton player out there. Um, and, and probably East Burr was one of the stronger groups getting around um, Eastern footy at the time. And 
I think we made the granny the first year, but missed out against um, Noble Park, who were a very strong outfit in the competition. And then Dougie gave it away, and I stayed and coached the seniors um, the following year. And okay. And Maddie Larkin came across as my assistant, um, who was Maddie's ex North Melbourne uh, captain and player and premiership player. So uh, I think from memory. So. Um, yeah, Matty was um, great to have there as my assistant first year at it as a senior coach. Um, and I played still while sort of Matty coached right. on the sidelines, I suppose. And then the year after, I sort of semi-retired, and but I ended up playing seven or eight reserve games, I think it was from memory, just to help out. Um, and so probably could have played another year at, at the seniors. but um, And then finished up there and then sort of my boys were starting to come through junior footy and, and became maybe um, under 13 through to under 17 junior coach at Fitzroy Junior Footy Club. Um, okay, yeah. Down at the Brunswick Street Footy Ground, the old Fitzroy hub there. So it was a bit ironic. I started at Fitzroy and sort of ended up coming back to it um, as, a, as a junior coach. Yeah, um, full circle. Yeah, so... And then um, the boys have then moved on and uh, from their footy and, and now just, yeah, watch a bit of local footy... Um, I like just going down and having a look at the local comps, amateur footy, and my older, my younger boy Harry's been playing with Uni Blacks in the. Um, um, they were in Divi Two last year or B grade, and they, they come runner up this year, so they'll move up to A grade or Premier in Amos for twenty three. So, um, and he's played a couple of senior games last year at that level, which was um, good for his development. And then, yeah, um, he'll hopefully play a bit more footy there this year. And AFL Sports Ready, I know you've been there since, I think, 2013. It's been, obviously, a big part of your life as well. It has, yeah. So I've been fortunate. i come out of the footy, uh, worked a little bit with Richmond for a few years as I transitioned out, doing um, a lot of the player appearance-type activities, I suppose. So um, whether we went to the Royal Children's to visit the sick kids and families, um, the Fitzroy, uh, sorry, the Richmond Family Day, where we might get um, the supporters down and run clinics and... Um, we might get requests to go visit sick people or possibly people who are having special milestones and birthdays. And so that that was rewarding because um, it was nice to get out and, and meet some of the fans face-to-face -face and uh, catch up and just spend a bit of time together. I remember visiting a few older Richmond faithful at like a retirement house and, you know, just to spend half an hour, an hour with them having a yak. Um, yeah. It means a lot. Um, and it was something nice we could do to give back. Um and uh, yeah, and then moved into AFL Sports Ready, uh, and I've uh, been doing that now for 17 years, 18 years. Um, it was sort of a traineeship, employment, and education model, um, which has been very rewarding. And uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed my time there. I actually uh, went through AFL Sports Ready in its early days. I ended up at um, you remembering secondary in Hallam, ah, right, doing okay. placement there, and then at the Stingrays. And I can't remember for the life of me who was looking after me, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good was program. It Peter Philandia, was it Chris? Um, or it John Allpress? John Allpress, maybe? Yes, yeah, it was John. Yeah, it was yeah. John. So, yeah, you end up with a Cert 3 in sport and recreation out of it and um, yeah, it kind of just paves the pathway for you. So it's a good program. Yeah, it is. And, and you're spot on. It's just another program to give um, probably a lot of school leavers come into it and just give them 12 months to look at getting some good employment, basic understanding of how working environments operate. And then yeah. you, do, you do complete the qualification as part of it and you get paid during your time. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's a stepping stone, I suppose, to see what your next pathway might look like. Yeah, definitely. No, it's great. I encourage yeah, anyone coming out of school, even if you're unsure, just 
yeah. You know, give it a crack and you're not finding something you like. No, um, round 14, 2017, you came back as the, the Richmond homecoming hero. What was that like to be back out on the G in front of the, the Tiger Army kicking another goal? Yeah, no, it was. Um, I, re- I think it's a really nice touch the way the club uh, does that. Um, just to get back in front of the Tiger fans, um, just to get back out on the MCG, um, you know, it's a pretty special place. And, uh, you know, I had Charlene and the kids with us just to have the ability for them to be part of something like that. Whereas when I played, really, Josh was very young and Lily was only just born. So, um, you know, to have them to come out and share that moment with you was nice. And, um, yeah, just I think we kicked the ball, the goal from the middle of the goal square or so we couldn't miss it pretty much, Chris. So, uh, <laughs> well, we hope we didn't. So uh, it'd be a bit embarrassing for us. But uh, And then you gave a ball to one of the Richmond faithful in the crowd, which was a nice touch as well. So, um, yeah, it was good. I really like the way the club um, invite past players back to share a moment. It's good. It's just good to it's good to reminisce from not only a supporter's point of view as well, but I'm sure the players enjoy thinking back on their time at the club too. I think all the highlights are from the scoreboard. It's just a it's a good little formality to have at the start of each home game. Yeah, no, definitely. And the other part of it too, you get to see some of the old trainers or the the bootstarters yeah. or you know the people behind the scenes that um, are really important to the club dynamic and. Um, you know, just to say good day to them again and uh, have a laugh or a bit of a chat about things was nice as well. So very enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nate, we talked about a little bit about the the more recent success of the side, and you spoke about Richo's reaction to to the first flag. Uh, what was your reaction like? Were you at the game? Yes, we were, and uh, I think yeah, definitely had a tear in the eye as well. And uh, you know, I, I think it was just such a such an amazing feeling for everyone involved who's been part of Richmond um you know the supporters it's been such a long time for them and um to have that moment to just sit and enjoy what was uh, happening um I think that was pretty incredible um feeling and then to see how important it meant to you know it, it, it impacted a hell of a lot of people not you know everyone who's probably been involved with the club in some capacity I think would have felt part of that day in some way um and I think it would have impacted all of us, I think, that moment um, when they got over the line. So it was pretty – you can understand how special it can be for a club to be so long not having one and then to have a chance to get there. It's, you know, it was an amazing feeling for everyone. Uh, now, before I ask the next few questions, for those watching, if you do have any questions you want to send through, I'll, might, I'll put a couple up at the end. So if anyone's got any questions I'd like to ask Paul, send them through. Um, winning one flag is hard enough to do, but did you ever think we'd go back to back and have three and five like that? That just didn't no. seem possible from a, a Richmond supporters' point of view for such a long time. Yeah, no. Again, I think the group just with Emma and the team again had something special there that maybe others outside of the you know club didn't really understand, and um, they weren't finished by a long stretch. So they they had the drive again and um, the motivation, which I think it's pretty special clubs to have that dynasty for that three to four year period um you know brisbane did it uh, hawthorne had done it for periods um you know sydney swans and uh, west coast had battled each other there for a couple of years and, and then yeah. for the tigers to get a chance to have a run at it for a while um yeah it's, it's pretty pretty special that group what they did as a whole so um yeah and they're not I don't think they're far off again, maybe having a little dabble at it in the next yeah, uh, was. 12 to 18 months. So um, they've got some really good talent coming through and 
if they can stay injury free like any club, I think it shows that you can keep your best cattle out there. You're you're in with a shot. So absolutely. So what 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 do you think would be a considered a pass mark for the 2023 Tigers? Because you're right, bringing in Taranto and Hopper, a, a fit and fresh Dusty. Um, it's looking pretty exciting down there at the moment. Yeah, I think if they, I think one goal would be to finish top eight, if if possible, get into that top four level if they can. Um, it's it's getting harder and harder because you know there's, there's more teams I think are in with the chance of possibly pushing that um, area of the of the final series. Um, so I think one to get there, two if they can get into that top four, it just gives you an extra week or so at it. Um, but if not, I don't think you cannot get there for coming from fifth or sixth. Um, I yeah. still think because I think it's quite tight. It's getting tighter. Um, there's not much between some of those. Uh, maybe the top two have got a little bit extra distance between the rest, but the others I reckon can fall pretty close together and it doesn't matter necessarily. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I hope they get there. I hope they can give themselves another chance to have a crack at it. And um, fingers crossed they stay fit and healthy. And Yeah, that would definitely got everything crossed. Uh, and he mentioned your son, Harry, before, and recently he was offered a spot on the Tigers VFL list. You must be pretty pumped to have him in the yellow and black. Yeah, it was. Um, it's it's been really nice. Uh, Harry had a couple of years of injuries and uh, yeah, did dislocated our collarbone, so he had to get um, reconstructed back a couple of years ago. And last year or two, he's probably had a more um, chance to just have that consistency in his training and playing. And um, the Tigers generously offered to come down this year to do a preseason with the VFL group, and um, he's loved it. He's really enjoyed the environment and just getting to understand what that next level requires from a training and, and physicality point of view. And then he was lucky enough to get offered to come down for a week and a half to train with the main AFL group, which um, over January, which he really appreciated. And uh, again, it gave him another understanding of what the next level looks like then again um, at that at that elite level. And um, the boys are very welcoming endeavour in that. And um, yeah, they... It was not. It was really good for him just to get that exposure and understanding of what what it can look like. Um, and then he'll hopefully play a few games with the VFL group this year, and he'll play between. He's got school footy still. He's at Marsland College in um, year twelve, so he'll probably play a bit of a AGS footy. Um, hopefully, a few games in the VFL group, and then if he doesn't play between those two, he play back at University Blacks in the amateur comp. Um, hopefully, in their senior team. So that's sort of. He'll probably juggle around a bit this year coming into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just keen thing is just for him to enjoy his footy and just keep developing if he can um, moving forward. So yeah. For sure. Now we'll all be keeping an eye out for him. Hopefully he goes well. At least he's got footy options. Yeah, remember, it wasn't that long ago where there was no one was playing anything and it was just a, mm. a, a tough time. So it's good he's got multiple outlets to, to play for. Yep. All right, we'll get into a couple of questions from uh, some of the audience watching. This one's from Aaron. Out of the current squad, who is your favourite player? Oh, good question. I, 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 um, I mean, Dusty's you know, an amazing player to watch and I really like the way he goes about it. Uh, uh, I think Prestier I like um, coming <coughs> as, a, as a midfielder and just his uh, you know, ball-winning ability and the way he, uses, he brings a lot of people into the game. You know, Titch Edwards, I thought, was a very creative player, um, amazing um, sense of space and how he can put it into other players uh, to run onto it or, or he, he sees things a bit earlier than others. Um, so he's quite a, an amazing 
a spatial awareness type player. Um, and then, you know, Jack's been amazing up forward. I think, uh, you know, he's... he's um, his consistency and the way he brings others into the game at times, um, you know, it's a credit to him, the way he's worked. And I really enjoyed watching Dylan Grimes and, um, you know, the back half work well together and um, they're really close um, group. Um, and, yeah, there's some, you know, young, talented players coming through again, which I think is going to complement the, the core group. Um, I like watching Kochi, you know, like because he's that in and under type player and the, He's, again, he brings people into the game, um, the way he plays. So and he gives 110%. You know, he's not going to die wondering. So he will, uh, he will no. bust, his, bust his butt to try and help the team, whatever capacity he can. So we uh, we need Koch to kick 25 goals this year because we uh, <laughs> called out Kane Corns on Twitter about his knocking of Koch as the Ford. And Kane Corns stated that if Koch kicks 25 or more, he'll do eight laps of the 10 in a Richmond jersey. So <laughs> we're, on a, we're on Trent Koch and watch for 25 goals this year. Uh, good. <laughs> Hopefully he gets there. I oh, know. Just feed him the ball. Um, <laughs> from CJR, brothers, how often were you a stopper with Swoop and how often were you doing your own thing? And then what was, who was your most respected opponent slash teammate? Uh, I think Diesel Williams was my most respected opponent that I'd played against just uh, his level of status in the game at the time and, and uh, just the way he was able to use the footy and he's, he's very smart footballer um, and, and a tough player to play on, um, very aggressive at times, but also, you know, a fair player as well. But he had that balance of both sides of his game. Um, and then from a teammate point of view, the most respected, I, I've, um, gee, there's, that's a hard one, um, you know, because there's such good players in the group that we've had. Uh, I like Cambo because Wayne would, um, he would analyse his game and then from year to year try and work at different areas to keep developing himself to be a more complete player. So he was self-driven to, to keep, whether that's a marking side of his game or it's his foot skills or handball or winning more footy inside or hitting the scoreboard more or whatever the role was that he felt he could keep improving. So um, I respected the way he went about it. Um, and then, you know, Nider and uh, Chris Bond, I, I like Bondy, was worked his backside off and, uh, you know, was a really good role model for others coming through. And um, Big Benny, Benny was, you know, a really good teammate to have around. You know, you stood taller with Benny around you because he was such a strong competitor in the air. And, um, you know, when his hands were on song, he was um, pretty hard to match up on Benny and, um, you know, kicked some really crucial goals and, Rucked really well. He was a good ruckman to play with as well. So, um, which he developed probably later in his career a bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, I think I probably early days, I was a bit of a stopper. And then I think, I think slowly I was able to win a bit my own footy and slowly it just naturally swapped a bit that I became a bit more of an attacking midfielder. Um, and then opposition was slowly starting to look at me maybe to a matchup, but the trouble was I couldn't hit me, Cambo, um, Nida. The three of us couldn't be tagged or else no one was going to get the footy there end either. So they'd pick one of us to have a crack at and then um, the other two would benefit from that because they could freewheel a bit more and, uh, you know, be a bit more attacking side of it. Um, but that might change week to week depending on the opposition who they felt might be the one to sort of shut down a bit more. It must be a good feeling when you're the one who gets off the chain, I can bet. <laughs> it's very nice, yes. You take those opportunities. 
from Min, uh, what was your favourite a- moment as an AFL player? <laughs> favourite moment? Um, I think the the 95 prelim where we, uh, sorry, the semi where we got over Essendon was a pretty a pretty special moment. Um, you know, that day we were up against it and, and to come back the way we did and just just the amazing feeling once we started to get a bit the crowd, um, the Richmond faithful. Uh, it's it's hard to describe because when you're out there, it, it's like a dull roar because it's just a mixture of noise coming around you. But once we got going, that rose, it, it sort of went up a notch and then you could feel it go again and it, it sort of carries you with it. Um, and I think that was a pretty amazing feeling in front. I think it was 85 grand of people. Like it's a pretty special environment to have, Yeah, you know, your faithful probably stronger than the other team at that time and roaring their hearts out. So uh, that was a nice feeling. A controversial one from Carol. What do you think of the current stand rule? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's needed personally. Um, I think, I think, I think it creates an advantage, too much of an advantage for the possession team because uh, you're effectively one player down. If I choose to play on, um, you can't really move until the umpire calls it. And as we know, the pace of the game today, you can gain a fair advantage before I can be impacting the game um, when the umpire calls play on. So I think it's not quite right. They could probably leave it as it was. I don't think there was much to change in that rule. Um, I don't mind the encroaching 10-yard rule if you come, you know, into their um, particular zone. That's fine because we, we understand that you've got to give them that opportunity to mm. not get, get too close. But I think the front on one, I think I just don't understand how I can be on the mark and I can't jump up if you're having a set shot and you're 45 metres out because me jumping up could mean difference between you kicking the ball a bit higher and not making it or me even touching the ball if you're at your, your distance your range and yeah I, th- I think not being able to impact that is a disadvantage too much of a disadvantage to the defensive team the other baffling part of that is now you can get pinged for 50 if you're running backwards away from the mark so you're actually giving yeah. them more space and you still get penalized it just defies yeah. logic but no agree um, another one from Aaron. We'll do a couple more. In your time playing for the Tigers, who was the one player you would always look out for in the field? Yeah. Uh, well, Cambo kept sniffing around me because he wanted to get, if I won it, he would always be hoping I'd handball it out to him. Um, him and Nida were pretty, picked that up pretty quickly. So, because um, <laughs> uh, I used to probably handball more than kicked at times. So, uh, they were uh, smart enough to realise if I was looked like I was going to win it, they get on the end of it pretty quickly. So uh, I think those two guys probably. And we've got a last one from Nick. Timely, Nick, because you helped organise this. Did you ever get reported? <laughs> Nick might know my history with this. Uh, so I got reported three times. Um, one for tripping uh, John Barnes, where I put my leg um, up at a, on an angle and sort of kicked him in the groin. I suppose, as it, you know, sort of put your hand and leg up as he was running past. So I got reported for that, but found not guilty. Uh, I was charged with striking Barry Stoneham uh, down in Geelong. Um, as we were both coming off the ground, we we just had some pleasantries and and we were charged with hitting each other in the stomach. Um, we both got off that one, and uh, the final one was eye gouging. Was uh, one they 
hooked me up for and that was against the doggies i think from memory and uh, i got off that one so no no suspensions um but reported three times for different type of situations very good so that's what maybe equates about 12 to 15 weeks in modern football these days doesn't it <laughs> possibly yes uh, no, very good oh thanks to everyone for sending through your questions and paul thank you so much for your time tonight mate really appreciate it and hearing all the the stories and uh tales about your time at fitzroy and the tigers um it's been an absolute pleasure having you on ah uh, thank you chris thanks for the opportunity no worries and big thanks to nick again for helping organize this much appreciated um and until next time guys go tigers <laughs>